So we've been walking through the book of Philippians, and this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a city called Philippi. And he wrote this letter while he was in prison. So not a good spot in life. Things weren't going well for Paul. He's sitting in a prison cell, but he was still thinking about other people. He was thinking about these different churches, these different believers, and he wrote this letter to them, and it was a letter that was meant, one, to be an encouragement to them, saying, hey, I'm praying for you, I believe in you, but secondly, it was to be a challenge to them, challenging them to live their lives for Jesus, to live lives that were worthy of the gospel. And tonight, as we continue on in in this series, we're going to look at what I believe to be the most difficult command in all of the New Testament, the most difficult command in all of the New Testament. Look, there are lots of challenging commands throughout the Bible, commands like love your enemy. That's not easy. Things like forgive people who hurt you. Pray for those who persecute you. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Like Those aren't easy commands, but the command that we're going to look at tonight, I personally believe, is the most challenging to follow because it requires us to completely change the, the focus and the priority in our life. But I also believe that it is a command that can be a game changer not only for our life, but for our church and for our student ministry, if we really embrace it and believe it and live it out. So in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... You know, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to look back to to see what what Paul is referencing. And here, Paul is going back to chapter 1, the last paragraph. He's referring to it. And in the last paragraph, Paul called these believers. He said, I need you to live lives that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus, to live lives worthy of the calling you received. And Paul understood these believers, they were facing intense opposition because of their faith. There were people who were persecuting them, people who were against them. And he was encouraging them, look, you need to stay strong. You need to stand firm. You need to be one. Don't grow weary. Don't grow frustrated. Live lives worthy of the calling that you've received. And now Paul is saying, look, in light of all of that, and he begins this this new section, he begins by reminding these believers of the blessings, of the benefits that they have received from their relationship with Jesus. He's saying, look, I know things are hard right now. I know things aren't easy. But I need you to remember all that you've received from Jesus. He says, look, if you've ever been encouraged by your relationship with Jesus, if you've ever been comforted by his love, if you've ever experienced God's kindness and compassion in your life, he's like, look, I know you have, I know you've experienced these blessings. Then look what he says next in verse two. If you've experienced these things, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Paul says, look, the thing that would make me happiest The thing that would bring me just the greatest joy is for you to be like-minded, 
for you to share the, the same kind of love, for you to be one in spirit, one in mind. And what is Paul talking about here? What is he trying to get at? He's calling them to unity. He's calling them to come together as one. He wants them to, to be united as they seek to live out this life that is worthy of the gospel. He wants them to be all in together. He's saying, I want you guys to come together, work together, fight together as you follow Jesus. And you see, this is exactly what Jesus had prayed for. In fact, in John chapter 17, we read about a prayer that Jesus prayed for believers. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer for future believers, meaning you and me, people who would one day believe, is that we would be brought to complete unity that we would be one the same way that Jesus was with the Father. And why, why is this so important? Why is this a big deal? Why is Jesus praying for this? He says, because this is how the world will know that God loves them. Notice what Jesus doesn't say here. The world's not going to know that God loves them because of our Bible knowledge how much we know, how much we understand. They, they won't know because of our church attendance and how involved we are here on Sunday and Wednesday. They won't know because of our morality and the good things that we do. He says they will know based on our unity, based on the way we care for each other, based on the way that we love one another, our unity, our relationships with one another. It is to be a picture to the world of God's love for them. And here, Paul is calling these believers to that kind of unity. So what does that look like? Well, how, how do we pursue this kind of unity that Jesus prayed for, that, that Paul is calling us to? Well, here's where it, it starts to get challenging. Listen to what he says next. He says, do nothing. Everybody say nothing. He says, do nothing, not a thing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You see, ambition can be a good thing. Like, it's important to have a, a drive in life, a drive to achieve, a drive to succeed. Like, in sports, you want to have ambition. In school, you want to be pursuing good grades and, and your career one day. You don't want to be somebody who lacks ambition, who just sits on the couch all day eating Cheetos, playing Xbox, you know, just doing nothing. You say, no, 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 like ambition is good, but here's the problem. Ambition can quickly and easily become unhealthy, and it can drift into selfish ambition. And what is selfish ambition? Here's what it is. It's the pursuit of self-interest at the expense of others. It's the pursuit of self-interest of what I want at the expense of others, where what you want, it becomes the most important thing in your life. 
and you don't care what happens to anybody else. As long as you get what you want, as long as you achieve, as long as you succeed, you're happy and you don't care who gets hurt along the way. Now, I know most of us in here, we would not identify as selfish people. Like, we wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I only care about what I want. I don't care about anybody else. Most of us would never say that. But for just a minute, I I want you to take an honest look at your life. I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Do you see other people as competition that you have to beat? Do you see people as competition where you always have to win, where you always have to beat them, where you always have to be the most popular, where you have to get the most recognition, the most attention, where you have to have the most friends? If your friend has has this many friends, well, I've got to have more relationships. I have to have more connections. Or you need to get more likes on social media. If they got 200 likes on their post, I need 300. If they got 400, I need 500. Are you competing with them where you have to have the nicer stuff? You have to have the nicer clothes, the nicer shoes, the nicer car. You've got to get better grades. You've got to win more awards. And it's just this this constant pattern of I have to always one-up the people around me. I have to have the top spot. I have to beat everyone out. And you're never happy for other people when they succeed and when they get what they want. Instead, you tear them down because you want that top spot. You, you gossip about them, you slander them, you lie, you belittle, you bully because you want to succeed. You want to get what you want and you don't care what happens to other people. Paul says, look, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't let your own selfish pursuit get in the way of your relationships with other people. And then he says this, do nothing out of vain conceit. Do nothing out of vain conceit. What is vain conceit? It's excessive pride that really has no foundation in reality. It's an inflated ego where you overestimate yourself, where you think you're, you're a bigger deal than you are, you think you're better than you are. It's this attitude of, hey, look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at all I'm doing. Look at all I'm accomplishing, where you're, you're craving glory and honor and recognition for, for yourself. And look, again, I, I know most of us, we don't think that's us. Most of us would say, look, I don't have an ego problem. I don't have a pride issue. But again, take an honest look at at, at your life. Like, what's the motivation behind your social media posts? Really? Like, when you post a picture, when you post an accomplishment, like, what's the motivation behind it? Is it for other people to praise you, other people to affirm you? Do you, do you post in a way that, that maybe isn't quite truthful but makes you look better or more important than you are? Or what about the stories you tell people? When you tell people about the schools you're applying to or the game you played on the weekend or the tournament you're at, do you, do you exaggerate a bit? Do you stretch the details? Do you stretch the truth to make yourself look better? Are you always trying to, to promote yourself and, and get people to acknowledge you and, and praise you? And, and you just have this inflated ego. 
Paul says we aren't to do anything out of this selfish ambition and to do nothing out of this vain conceit. But here's the alternative. Here's what we do instead. He says, rather, instead, in humility, value others above yourselves. Paul says that humility, it's the solution. It's the antidote to to selfishness and to pride. Now, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about humility. You know, for many people, when they, when they think of humility, they, they think of being kind of weak. Or, or they think of being a, a pushover and getting walked all over. They, they, they think that it means looking down on yourself and walking around with your, your head down. But listen, humility doesn't mean having a low view of yourself. Humility is about having the, the proper view of others. It's about seeing other people the way that God sees them. And I love how C.S. Lewis says it. Humility isn't about thinking less of yourself and being down on yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. Where you're no longer the primary focus, the primary concern of your life. Instead, other people become the focus. Other people become the concern. And you begin to value them above yourself. You begin to put them first. It doesn't mean that you think they're better than you. But it does mean that you think of other people as more important than you. And notice here, Paul doesn't say, hey, when it comes to your family and your close friends, consider them as as, as more important. When he says consider others, value others, he's talking about everybody. The people you go to school with, the people on your team, the people you work with, the people that you don't like. As followers of Jesus, we are called to value everyone above ourselves. You see why this is so difficult? You see why I feel like this is the the most challenging command? Like seriously, I'm supposed to value everybody above myself? And then listen to what Paul says next. He says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He says to value others means to put their interests first, to put their needs ahead of your own, to lay aside what you want and what you desire for the sake of what other people need. It's a complete shift in our focus. It's a total change in our priorities. So what what does this look like, to, to value somebody else's interests above our own? This looks like sacrificing our time in order to serve somebody. Where we give up a day on the weekend, we give up a a night in the evening, we give up our time to go and serve somebody. It looks like sacrificing our comfort to reach out to somebody else. Where we get out of our comfort zone of hanging out with our friends and we reach out to somebody who's maybe different than us or that we don't know well. It's sacrificing recognition and attention and redirecting it to somebody else, and building them up, and letting them receive the praise and the compliments rather than always taking them for yourself. It means sacrificing our resources so that we can give and be generous. It's sacrificing opportunities that come our way in order to be a blessing to other people. We lay aside, we put down what we want. Why? For the benefit of somebody else, for the sake of somebody else's needs. Now, if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking, 
that sounds nice. Like, why in the world would I do that? Like, I'll consider sacrificing for family. I'll consider sacrificing something for for close friends. But why in the world should I value everyone above myself? Like, why should I put other people's needs first? Like, that's crazy. Nobody does that. Nobody lives like that. Matthew, like, why in the world would I do that? Well, Paul, he goes ahead and answers that question for us. Listen to what he says next in verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, talking about all relationships we have, he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, for his own interest. Rather, instead, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Paul, he roots this command to value others above ourselves in what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. You see, Jesus doesn't just provide the the motivation for us to obey. He provides the example for us to follow. So why should we put other people first? Why should we value them as more important? Because that is exactly what God, through Christ Jesus, did for each and every one of us. Jesus laid aside. He put down his own interests for the sake of ours. He sacrificed comfort, security, praise, recognition, so that you and I, so that we could receive what we needed most, salvation from our sins. Jesus laid down his earthly life for the sake of our eternal life. And now, as followers of Jesus, he is inviting each and every one of us to do the same for others. So then why don't we? Why don't we follow through on this? Why don't we put other people first? Here's why I I think if we we boiled it down and, and we were honest. I think for many of us, we're afraid that if we did this, if we put other people first, if we we sacrificed, well, we wouldn't get what we want or what we need. Like, if I don't look out for myself, well, then who's going to? You know, if I don't fight for my own recognition, who will? If I don't go and take what I want, who's going to give it to me? If I don't praise myself, who's going to? I have to take care of myself. I have to look out for number one, because if I don't, nobody else is going to. But students, I, I just want you to imagine for a moment, if each of us in this room, just in this room, 250 of us, if each of us decided to put other people first, if each of us valued other people above ourselves, then here's what would happen. There would be no need for you or for me to look out for our own needs and our own wants because other people would take care of that for us. I mean, just think about that. 
Like if I'm focused on meeting your needs and you're focused on meeting their needs and they're focused on meeting their needs and you're focused on their needs and we're all focused on what each other needs and valuing the other person, there would be no need to try to fight for ourselves. There would be no need to compete and strive and try to have the top spot because all of us would be meeting each other's needs. And this is the kind of community that God wants for us. A community where we are actually valuing each other above ourselves. Where we're meeting each other's needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs. We're praying for each other. We're serving each other. We're loving one another. We're a community that's willing to sacrifice. That says, I will give up what I want most so that you can get what you need. Now, I think some of us, we would say, look, I'm all for that. I'm in, but I'm not going to go first. Like if I see other people doing this, if I see other people sacrificing and, and looking out for me and looking out for others, then, then I'm in. But listen, don't wait for other people to start. Don't wait for someone else to take the first step. You start. You take the first step. You take initiative. And here's why. Because Jesus went first. Jesus took the first step. Jesus took initiative. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what happened when Jesus humbled himself? What happened when he laid down his life? Did he get walked all over? Did he get taken advantage of? Did he look weak? No, listen to what happens. Verse 9. Therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, when Jesus brought himself low, God lifted him up. God exalted him. God glorified him. And God gave him the name that is above every name. The name that every knee will bow down to and worship. Listen, students, the world is going to tell you that if you want to live a life that matters, if you want to live a life of, of meaning and significance and purpose, well, then you need to go and achieve it. You need to fight for the top spot. You need to be ambitious. You need to fight. You need to compete. You need to win at all costs. But Jesus shows us the complete opposite, that the path to significance, the path to meaning, it comes through sacrifice. It comes through putting other people first, valuing them as more important than ourselves, and laying aside what we want, what we desire for the sake of somebody else. Listen, a, a life that is all about you, all about your dreams, all about your hopes, all about what you want, where you're just fighting and competing and striving and trying to win, a life that's all about you, that is the life that will end with you. Like when your life is over, it doesn't matter anymore. When your life is over, you can't take any of that with you. But a life that is about others, that sacrifices, that puts others first, that meets others' needs, a life that is about others, that is a life 
that will go beyond you. That is a life of significance and meaning and purpose that will matter for eternity. And that's the kind of life that if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, that's the kind of life that Jesus is calling you to, he's inviting you to, and he's commanding you to live. Where you do nothing out of selfishness, nothing out of ego and pride, but instead in humility, you lower yourself, you sacrifice, and you put others first because that is what Jesus did for you. So Father, we thank you that you took the first step, that you initiated That while we were still sinners, you came to earth and you put aside your own interest and the praise and the recognition and the security. You laid that down. You sacrificed your life, God, so that we could have everlasting life. And now as your followers, as people who claim your name, God, I pray that we would follow your example. God, that we would lead the way and the the way that we love and show grace and forgiveness and compassion. God, that we would put others first, that we would sacrifice, that we would serve, that we would recognize life is not about us. And God, we just echo the prayer of Jesus, God, that through our unity, through the way we love and serve one another, that the world will see and the world will know that there is a God loves them and who paid the ultimate sacrifice for them. Jesus, it's in your name that we ask these things and that we pray. Amen.